Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. I love Sunday morning and I love greeting and having conversation. I, I am all for a Sunday where we get together, maybe we pray, we take communion, uh, and, and then just have fellowship. Uh, just connect and, and encourage one another and, and something like that. That would, be, that would be nice. I'm just getting out of a sermon. That's all I'm doing, right? That's ahead of time. Anyway, uh, uh, earlier, uh, a couple weeks ago, Brady and, and Nicole had called Linda. Now, I want, to, I want to emphasize it. Called Linda and said, hey, Mom, we're, we're going to go to Colorado. And would you and Dad come and watch uh, the babies for a couple of days? And so Linda said, yes, we will. So, no, I, and I was glad to. I don't want to make it sound like I didn't want to. I, of course, get to watch a, a little Forrest who's like one and a half. Is that right? Is he one and a half? And then uh, uh, Janie is like six months old. And so I, I kind of geared up for this thinking we're not going to get a whole lot of sleep. I actually got pretty good sleep. Linda did not, but I got pretty good sleep. <laughs> um, Anyway, so it was really a good time. Forrest was, was pretty much a happy-go-lucky kid. And if you know Forrest, he was a lot like our son Brady. And, and at one time, we called Brady Oscar the Grouch. You know, he was just a grouchy kid, would get, you know, irritated and, and things like that. But, but Forrest did really well for two days. And then we, we uh, uh, were leaving on Friday. We had some things happen, and Forrest was tired, and he was a little grumpy. He was right around lunchtime. And he's sitting there with his chicken nuggets, his fries, and some blueberries, and had like a fruit drink with him, okay? And, and Linda is watching, you know, and he's eating. He's, he's eating some nuggets, he's eating some fries, blueberries are gone, and, and now he has that fruit drink, and he's just sitting there with a fruit drink, and sitting there with a fruit drink, and sitting there with a fruit drink. Well, he has a chicken nut, nugget in front of him, so as Nana's do, the right thing, right? That she says, okay, Forrest, uh, uh, take another bite of your chicken nugget. Make sure he's getting enough. You know, good, good thing for Nana's to do. And so he doesn't put his cup down. And so he says, no, just take, here, take one more bite. And she gently takes the cup away from him. And he's looking down and, you know, that kind of thing. And, and uh, uh, she says, take one more bite of your chicken nugget. And, and it didn't take long before the boy lost it. And you know, you know what it is for a one-and-a-half-year-old to lose it. It was, it was Brady all over again years ago. You know, just, ah, and, and, and so let me ask you the question. Uh, who's the problem? Do you, know, do you know the answer to that? Who's the problem? Yeah, did, did Linda just say me? <laughs> all I heard was, oh, okay. Oh, that was you, yeah. It, mom is, you know... It, now, now, I know that Forrest in his mind is a lady, I'm enjoying my juice, right? I lay, I'm enjoying my juice back off, but, but uh, you know, it was a good thing. You know, eat, make sure you're getting plenty of your, your meal, your proteins and things like that, not just fruit drinks. So anyway, uh, I think about that as a teenager too, because I remember, I will tell you, I remember as a teenager that there was a time when I was so much smarter than my parents, Right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe you remember back then, or maybe you remember having teenagers in your house, right? And your teenagers are so much smarter. I, I do think I go back to chapter 3, where, where Paul is talking to these Corinthians. 
And, and he, he says this, and I could hear a parent talking to their teenager by saying, don't deceive yourselves. If any of you think that you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools. See, that fits, right? Uh, you think you're so smart, but you need to back down a little bit because, you know, actually the parent is wiser. All, always. All, right? Parents? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I know that I thought I was smarter, and I, I figured things out as I got older, and I had teenagers that I wasn't smart at all at that age. But anyway, Paul, again, is we, we've been going through this journey. I've enjoyed looking at Paul and how he's dealing with Corinthians that are needing some discipline. And we've been watching that. Uh, if you've been with us, uh, we, we, we've, we've watched them you know, describe the problem there at the beginning. Hey, you're dividing yourselves amongst leaders. And, and then, so Paul went into, uh, hey, don't forget this, the wisdom of God. The wisdom, keep in mind the wisdom of God. That's how you are, uh, what you, that's, that's how you become uh, part of the body of Christ, uh, what you've received from God. It's all been through the wisdom of God. And then on top of that, he's given us his spirit, Right? That, that there we could even say we have the mind of Christ, which was the last part of chapter 2. And the beginning, last week, the beginning, it was tough, wasn't it? To go to chapter 3 and watch Paul in this letter say, I wish I could have talked to you like you were mature or that, that, that you were spiritual, but you weren't. That, that you're immature, that you're still on the bottle, you're still on the milk. You should be on the meat by now. So it was, it was a root rebuke because of their dividing amongst each other. And, and then in chapter 4, I thought we were kind of done, but you get to chapter 4 and I'm thinking, you know, he's continuing this because of that very thing. Do, do you think the Corinthians might have looked at Paul and said, Paul, you got a problem. When, when, when it came to the, the discipline, hey, I'm going to correct you. He said, well, there is a problem here. Paul, back off. I, I don't, it's not anywhere in the text that he's saying that. But Paul comes in and says, this is your leadership. In chapter 4, that's what we're looking at. This is your leadership. This is who you're following. And he, Paul's, let me read the first two verses of chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. He says, this then is how you ought to regard us. He, he, when he says us, I think he's referring to Paul, Apollos, Cephas, the leadership that they've been dividing themselves amongst, okay? This is how you ought to see us, that we are servants of Christ. And, and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed, just to speak to that, the mysteries is, is what God has done through Jesus. It is really through the revealing. Of... Someone needs a good discipline here. I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, um, so, yeah, I don't know. We got some difficulties here. Anyway, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll get through this, okay? Keep your eyes on, on 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, to, to get back to into this, uh, he, he says, uh, oh, again, referring to the mysteries, he called the mysteries the unveiling of who Jesus is. That's, that was the great revelation. Okay, when Jesus comes, that, that's a revelation of God's love. It is the revelation of God's salvation, which comes through that sacrifice of Jesus. No mystery. It is something that is unveiled. It is something that we're aware of now. No longer a mystery. It's something that we've received in Jesus. Yay. All right. Um, 
Our great objective, and I believe this is the great objective for the Corinthians as well, is this. To walk after God. To pursue God. Follow God who created us, right? And that's still our objective. And in following Christ, we need to follow godly leaders. That's, let's, let's talk about that. That's the church. And I think what we see in chapter 4 is what's happening here. Paul is reminding them of who we are. Hey, we're servants in Christ is that first place. And verse 2 says, now it, is required, no, yeah, now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. They've been given a responsibility a grand responsibility. It is a kingdom responsibility. Those who are leaders in the church. It is a great responsibility when you think about the kingdom. Nothing more important than the kingdom. And, and he said, man, we, that those who are leaders need to prove faithful. I want to talk to us, uh, talk, share with you about godly leadership. Throughout here, I think there's some important points for us to remember when we think about leaders, leaders in the church, leaders that we need to be following and, and adhering to. Uh, first of all, first of all, uh, godly leadership focuses themselves on what God wants or what God desires. That's their focus. Godly leadership is focused on God. Uh, let me read for you verses 3 through 5. This is where Paul goes. He says, I care very little if I am judged by you. Or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. Uh, My conscience is very clear. uh, But that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait, Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. Uh, again, the focus, the godly leadership focuses themselves on what God wants. Human judgment is not important to him. Matter of fact, Paul says, I care very little what, what, how, how you're judging me. Why? I care very little how you're judging me. I, and, and if that was a concern of a leader, if I, I really care what you think. And uh, man, I don't want to hurt your feelings. That's not a godly leader. Uh, what I... What I care more about is, is something more significant. I, I, I'm not a politician. Church leadership is not about politics. And not, when I think about politics, it's the signs in the yard, oh, vote for me, and, and here's what I will do for you. Now, godly leadership is leadership that's going to, to direct according to not, well, definitely not according to, to what you think of them. So, so that's important. And matter of fact, he even goes to the places not even according to how I judge myself. That's not important. He even brings up his own conscience, what I find interesting. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent, is what Paul says. Uh, what Paul is doing, his writing and everything else, I, I, I believe Paul feels like he's online. You know, he's, he's following after the Spirit. He's following after the Word of God. And, and that's how he's come to this conclusion. So uh, as, at the best of his ability, he is following after God, and that's his leadership. Therefore, he says his conscience is clear. But then he says, that doesn't make me innocent. That doesn't matter. You know, and, and it got me thinking. A lot of times we, go, we move about by our consciences, but we need to understand that our consciences are even subject to our human nature. So we have to be careful. 
we have to be careful. Ah, so where's the line that you draw? Where's the line, you know, what, what are we looking for from, from the apostle, Paul, and where are we looking for from even the church leadership? Well, he goes on to say, Later on the verses, instead of reading it, he says, this is what we've applied to, I applied to myself, I applied to Apollos. What he's saying is this idea, well, first of all, let me go, I skipped something, forgive me. So where does the judgment come from? What, what is he focused on except for God? His, Paul's concern and godly leadership's concern is how is it that God is viewing what I'm doing? Am I doing what's right according to what his direction, right? That's, that's what you ought to expect. In order for me to be doing what's right as a part of this congregation, man, I want to be following after the leadership. I want to gauge it by the leadership. And that's where Paul comes in and says, this is how I'm conducting myself. This is how I'm applying this. Is We are looking to God to be our direction. And, and in our directing you, Right? This is, this is his church, his building, it's his work, and it continues to be even through the leadership. We're looking to God and his direction. And so, he, he's, so what, what gauge, what, what way are they measuring that? Except Paul comes along and says, um, he comes along and says, do not go beyond what is written. The, the measurement that leadership has is the word. It's what's been written. For Paul, it was the Old Testament scriptures to be able to apply what he knew about Jesus, not only from the Old Testament, but I believe also by the apostles by this time and their stories of Jesus and the message of Jesus himself as that was beginning to be compiled for the, for the gospels being written. So he said, it, it is according to what is written that is our guide for leadership. We want to know this so that we are leading well here according to what God has, has said. Okay? So, so do, do, we have, uh, do we follow blindly with our leadership? I don't think so. I don't think so. That as they use God's word, you have something to come back and say, here, here's, here's God's word, let's check and see. Because it, the Bereans did that with Paul. You know, Paul would come and preach, and then the Bereans would go back to the scriptures that Paul laid out and check them out. Hey, when I'm preaching, write down the scriptures, check it out. I, I want, hey, I want you, more than anything, I want you in the Word, because that's God's Word. And His instruction. And His leadership. And, and when we have men who know how to handle God's Word, then they're going to use that in directing the congregation in the way they should go. Right? Are you with me? So, so the focus of our leadership must be that we are concerned with what God thinks and not so much what you think. Because we want to know and live by what he thinks and what he directs. Amen? Isn't that right? Pray for your leadership. Pray for your leadership. Pray for us. Also, godly leadership, they call people to true faithfulness. They call us to true faithfulness. We, we expect that as well. We want to live a life. Again, our great pursuit, what's in mind, is we want to follow him. We want to follow him. And, and therefore, our, our leadership, we expect our leadership to call people to true faithfulness. I find this interesting in verses 7 and 8 because I believe it's a continued sort of rebuke. I, I do believe it's a rebuke, continued rebuke on the Corinthians. 
See what he says. In verse 7, he says, For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. You have, become, you have begun to reign. And that without us. How I wish that you really had begun to reign so that we also might reign with you. Especially verse, verse 8. Oh my goodness, did you hear what he's saying? Um, in, in verse 8, you kind of identify this, this idea that the Corinthian believers see themselves as having way much more than, than what God has already given them. Paul kind of referred to it, you've already begun to reign. You're already seated upon thrones because of what you have in Jesus. That, that's a problem. That really is identified with a problem. Because then Paul comes along and says, man, we're being abused while you're sitting on thrones. It does go back to chapter 3, verse 21, which we talked about, that, that where Paul said, hey, listen, you've already received all things. You've already received everything you need. And, and what I said last week is you've already received everything you need for this life in this world at this time. You've, you've received what you need to live godly lives and to, and to be honoring before God. That is Christ and, and, and the Holy Spirit working in you. You've received redemption. But the Corinthians were taking it so much further. They, they, it's like they've already entered into eternity. And, and that they were, they were receiving all kinds of blessings. And, 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 and possibly that might have been also part of their bragging amongst each of the, the leaders. Who knows? But the idea is this. And, and we've talked about it before. That, that what we've received in Jesus is absolutely everything we need. Right? We have redemption. We, we are atoned for. We're ready for eternity through Jesus. But we haven't received everything yet. We haven't, I, I believe the day of our full salvation is when we're face-to-face with Jesus. Are you with me? There, there is a time coming when I'm going to shed the mortal, the, the mortal, the, 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 the one that hurts and the pains, and, and, and put on the immortal when I'm, I'm there. And, and that's the, the beginning of eternity. That's full salvation. And we're, who, who's looking forward to that? A few of you? Good? Yeah. No masks there? Promise? No coronavirus there? Promise? Yeah. Excellent. Uh, so, so there is something coming. But the Corinthians, again, in this passage is making it very clear. Matter of fact, go to verse 7. Look what he says. He asks questions that there's obvious answers to. He asked them, okay, listen, for who makes you different from anyone else? Did you hear that? Who makes you different from the rest of us? No one. The, the second question is, and, and what do you have that you didn't, did not receive? What, what additional things have you received that, that the rest of them didn't receive that, that you hadn't already received? Uh, nothing. No. There's, there's no one. There's nothing. And then the last, last one says, why do you boast as though you did not? Or, and if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you did not? You have no reason. It, it, it's just obvious answers. They've elevated themselves to a place that, and, and we've got to be careful with that. We've got to be careful. I, I do know some people who have taken so much more saying, like, what I deserve is, is, you, know, is, is, is you know, good wealth 
and, and good things coming my way and sickness to be gone. It's that health and wealth theology that a lot of people push and say, yeah, if you're a true believer, you're not going to be sick. And if you're a true believer, you're going to receive wealth. And, and it's, it's somewhat reflective of the Corinthians. They thought, man, blessings, blessings, blessings is all around us. And then if you heard Paul at the very last, uh, I, I wish that, that it had begun so that we could be joining you. But the verses that follow says, Paul says instead, man, we're like the last in the parade that are headed to our deaths. We're the enemy being bound and being taken to our deaths. Uh, he, he goes on in those verses. He says, we are fools for Christ. This is verse 10. But you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honored. We are dishonored. Now, again, this isn't true. But Paul's pointed out, he's saying, this is who we are. We're your leaders, and we are being misused, or, or abused, not misused. Uh, to this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. Uh, we are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When, when we are crushed, we, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. Here's the problem. Here, here it is that Paul in his work, and Apollos and Cephas, these guys are out delivering uh, the, the gospel message and teaching the gospel message. And, and the church in Corinth are just lavishing in the, in the blessings. What, what's the problem here? Well, perhaps they didn't catch the idea that there's still work to be done. That maybe the same task that these apostles are doing in spreading the gospel ought to be what they ought to be involved in as well. Not dividing themselves, not doing the petty things of immature, uh, just not growing, but the mature thing of, of taking this seriously and delivering it. Are you with me on that? It is the call of the church that it's not just, it's just not Apollos and Paul and Cephas that we do this together, that we grow together, we teach and we grow and mature together in Christ. That's part of the maturity they're missing is they're just enjoying the beginnings and not growing into really what I would consider the joy of being a part of the kingdom. Of being a worker in the kingdom, as Paul started with, to be a servant of Jesus. To be a servant of Jesus. I think there's joy there. I think there's joy in seeing the kingdom uh, grow and change. For to see a sinner challenged and for them to receive Christ, to be a part of that. If we're not witnessing it, that or if we're not a part of that, we're missing out on, on some of the best parts of, of continuing to live in this world where there's wickedness and difficulties and see lives turned over for Jesus. To see them find the freedom in Jesus Christ. we got to be there. we got to be there. And, and so Paul in this is calling them to true faithfulness. Uh, he, and, and again, it's within the boundaries of God's word. Jesus said, you know, go into all nations, making disciples of, all, of everyone, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? That was G Jesus' commission, and that was to the whole church, not just to the apostles. And passed on, and passed on, and passed on. Be faithful, responsible to God in our mission and our message. Also, one, one other thing I want to share with you, God's leadership. They give God's, God's leadership 
uh, gives God's people something to imitate. Imitate. Verses 14 through 16. Paul again is writing. He says, I am writing this uh, not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Jesus Christ, I came, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. That kind of, again, emphasizes this point of, hey, the church is expected to do a lot more than enjoying your huddles and enjoying your fellowship. We have a great call to affect everyone around us, the community around us, and even beyond. Man, what can we do as the church with God leading with our leadership speaking up and saying, this, there's so much more that we're called to than just our fellowship and our being together and enjoying this. We're called to so much more. There's a community around us of hurting people. Have you met them? Let me ask you seriously, do you know them? You do. You do. And, and some of you have had opportunity to begin conversations. Continue that because that's what we're called to do. And if we're just... If we're at that place where we're, man, I just still want to speak to someone and we're praying for them, continue to look for those opportunities to introduce them to Jesus. Man, the societies around us is really screwed up and they need some answers. Don't, don't you agree with that? Our, 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 man, our nation is in a mess and, and, all, man, we, and we don't want to be a part of that mess. We're part of the solution. Are you with me? <laughs> I absolutely am convinced that Jesus Christ is the solution to a messed up world. Right? Right? Paul is all over this. And, and, and don't, I don't want to miss, miss this up. The Corinthians have an opportunity. Don't miss this up. Get out of this immaturity and, and grow up. Hey, follow your leadership. And, and Paul... I, I will tell you, I believe Paul is still that spiritual father to each of us. He's part of that foundation that was laid. We have the opportunity, we could go into the scriptures and see how Paul lived his life. That he said such amazing things like this. Oh, listen, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I win either way. For, for me to live is a continued ministry for Jesus. It's a continued spreading of the gospel. And for me to die... Woohoo! Then I get my throne. <laughs> then I, I enter into eternity. So it, it is a win-win situation for Paul. I love that. He's the one that wrote all the difficulties, and no difficulties, no, no hurts, no pains. But, but listen, I add that to the church. That's how we are, man, to, to even have that as Paul's example always before us. Man, for this church to live, to continue on, is, is, is for Christ's gain it is for the benefit of the kingdom. I, I want first Christian, I want this body of believers to be that, to be a benefit to Jesus. That means we have to be real. That means we have to be real in our faith and genuine in our love and following after the word and after the spirit, correct? And, and, and as well, there are those leaders who have led you to Jesus. I mean, put those people in your mind right now. 
Who was it that led you to Jesus, that spoke it clearly, that displayed it in their life? And you could say, man, they were spiritual leadership to me because, because of them, I know I know Jesus today. Because of them, it, it is significant. Thank those people. You know, appreciate them. You know, send them a card. I, I, can I tell you, I definitely think about my dad, who, who I tried to emulate even when I thought I was smarter than him, right? Later on, I thought, man, my dad loved Jesus so much throughout his life, and I didn't appreciate it a lot when I was younger. When I got older, uh, man, I, I very much did. And, and then I, I, I think about Daryl Boston. You know, many of you know Daryl Boston was here. I love that man because he loved Jesus. I wanted, I wanted to love Jesus like Daryl Boston loved Jesus. You know, he was a spiritual leader to me. And, and, and in this church, there are some leaders that we need to be praying for and listening to. And if there's a challenge, man, check them on their scripture. You know, what direction are you taking? Do that. Do that. Do it to me. If I say something that, man, I just don't agree with you, that, that's a little rough, have me open the scripture and show you what I've seen and where I've been. I, I, I would, I actually, I would not be offended. I would love that. Because, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I feel like I enjoy more of the face-to-face, -face, right? I enjoy sitting down with you as, as folks. So I'm, I'm speaking to a whole group. So if you do, man, come in and let's have a conversation. I enjoy that. Listen, leadership. Paul was a true leader, wasn't he? I mean, to be able to have his letters and to see challenge. And, and, and let me see. Let me ask you that, pro, that, that uh, question one more time. You know, when there's a problem in the church and you're not seeing eye to eye, you have to ask yourself, who's the problem here? Who's the problem? Is, 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 it, is it me or is it that leader? <laughs> we, we really need to be careful. And then, but, but we have every access to find out what's true. Are they lining up with Scripture? Is what they say, is, is that true and, and, and should we follow? Here are the things about godly leadership and then we'll wrap this up. First of all, that, that godly leadership is the leadership who focuses their judgment uh, and, and knows that, that what matters most is God's judgment over them. Not really putting a lot of concern about what you think when, when they're speaking about God's word, when they're giving direction concern, uh, out of God's word. They call people to true faithfulness. They call us to true faithfulness. Uh, again, Genuine faith and, and a sincere love. That's what we want to see. We want to be able to see Christ working within, amongst this body. Everyone, Christ working within this body. Amen? Half-hearted? We want to see Christ working amongst us. Amen? Okay, I'll take that as the decision time, okay? Anyway, and, and finally, that God's people... Uh, it, I mean, God's leadership should be that those people that we are imitating. Uh, imitating in, in their humility. Imitating in the mercy and grace that they're showing out of their life. Uh, both seeking forgiveness and receiving forgiveness. And definitely imitating the love of God in their life. Who are we following? Who are we following? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you. We thank you always for Jesus. We thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, to, just to understand what Paul is saying and the importance of his words. 
Uh, his focus, Lord, in this passage is over people who love Jesus, people who made that commitment and yet needed that correction and that discipline to get them in the right direction again and again. Lord, we need that. We need to have a, a bold leadership, godly leadership, speak up and give us direction. And then humbly, Lord, may we follow as if following after you. Lord, that's what you've established for us today. We ask, Lord, that we have that heart, that desire to be honoring of you, not just on Sunday morning, but all week long, to pursue you and to love you. Father, bless this congregation. Bless those that are watching uh, through the, uh, uh, their computers. We pray, Father, blessings upon those who are here today. Lord, may we be looking within ourselves and adjusting where we need to make adjustments and to, to continue to pursue you humbly and, and with passion. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.